Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You are listening to the Next Best Series podcast, and this is my interview with the director of Episode 6 for Under the Banner of Heaven, Revelation, Isabel Sandoval. Heavenly Father, we ask that we might be instruments in thy hand to fix what we find broken. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. A woman and her 15-month-old child were murdered in their home. We are asking the public for their help. We aren't a community that usually locks its doors. So, for now, we feel it's prudent to err on the side of caution. The evidence points to things and to beliefs that I have only ever heard whisperings about. I don't go digging in the past. And neither should you. From the first moment anyone set eyes on her, they were hooked. An evil presence is in his family. What if this case isn't just a husband who turned against his wife? What if tonight is just the first edge of a bone? Finally working its way out of our own desert's floor. Hands up right now! This goes beyond just a murder. Beyond everything I believe. Isabel, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about your work on the FX Hulu show Under the Banner of Heaven. You directed the penultimate episode of this mini series here, and I'm very, very excited to dive deep into this one with you because uh, this is a very, very complex show with some very, truly fascinating characters. And also, correct me if I'm wrong, this was your first foray into directing television, right? That is correct. Um Hi, Matt. Thanks for having yes. us. We're excited <laughs> to be here. Um, but yes, it is my first episodic directing um, job. <laughs> Amazing. Well, uh, I know from your previous work and also from interviews I've seen you give over the last couple of years and just getting a chance to uh, know you uh, through some of your other projects, you are a very, very deep uh, cinephile and you have an appreciation for the cinematic art of filmmaking in all of its forms. And I think that comes across here in this very character-centric episode because usually a penultimate episode in a show will either function as the big climax with some sort of action and then the finale will be the fallout but in a mini series where things have to wrap up at the end of it all in the final episode uh sometimes the penultimate episode can be that setting the uh pieces on the board for the big finale so can you talk to me just a little bit about how you were able to take this episode that was very focused on the characters with not so much big events happening. However, there were big events happening internally. When Destin Lance Black, Academy Awarding showrunner of the show, actually approached me um, with this particular episode, I, when I read it, I thought it actually suited my sensibilities perfectly because mm-hmm. my films tend to be about very introspective 
characters battling with or grappling with um, internal anguish. And that is exactly what happens here um, in Revelation. Yeah. Not only for Andrew Garfield's character, Jeff Pyrie, but the likes of um, Ron Lafferty, played by Sam mm-hmm. Worthington, and also Brenda Lafferty, uh, which Daisy Edgar Jones plays. And in some ways, you know, like it feels like with this episode, the whole true crime procedural, you know, propulsive pace element falls away. Mm-hmm. And we kind of are just there, um, essentially observing and dealing with these characters um, as they experience an escalation of their crisis of faith, you know, mm-hmm. and we have the climactic um, scene at the very end, which I think is actually the dramatic climax of the show because agree, underneath yeah. the, you know, the, the, the surface true crime, true crime procedural narrative, it's really Jeb Pyrie's, you know, ambivalence, growing ambivalence and questioning of his faith. And that culminates in the scene with Jeb Pyrie in the car, you know, mm-hmm. quietly breaking down in the garage. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you on that. It's an extremely powerful moment, and it's sold incredibly well by Andrew Garfield in those final moments, too. I think he gives a really, really good performance throughout the course of this entire show. But that scene in particular, I felt just as shaken as he was in that moment because I, I don't think I've ever really had a crisis of faith or any kind of um breakdown if you will over my entire like life's meaning just crumbling before me and questioning uh everything i've done up until this point has it all been a lie i i i've never had that moment but yet still i was able to really empathize and relate with what jeb was going through in that scene can you tell me what direction you gave andrew to sell that moment because like I said, for someone who's never had a relatable moment such as that, it's still communicated so truthfully to me. Yeah. Um, for me, directing that scene was also about directing all his scenes in that particular episode. I say, yeah. Because, you know, that whole cathartic moment, that breakdown, I think, needed to feel well-earned mm-hmm. and just right instead of overblown and excessive. And Andrew is such a naturally expressive actor emotionally um and there are a few emotional scenes um peppered throughout that episode one is of course when he's, he bathes his mother and mm-hmm. gives her a fake you know baptism one another one and he's, when he's talking to brenda lafferty's sister and father and also that scene that precedes uh the car the garage scene um where he is talking to alan lafferty who tells him about the book so my direction to andrew for those scenes is Rain in the emotion, you know, keep it down so that we are essentially building and, you know, that emotion underneath so that it feels when he has that breakdown in the garage, it's what feels right for the character because of how much he's been suppressing all that ambivalence and that, you know, anger and confusion about mm-hmm. his faith and his spirituality. And when it explodes, you know, the audience also feels feels that much it feels raw and visceral and genuine 
Uh, and also, too, a, a character who gets a lot of uh, screen time in this episode is the character of Ron Lafferty, as you were mentioning earlier. And I do think that Sam Worthington is going under uh, a journey of complete transformation. He's doing a full 180 over the course of this show. Uh, and for anyone who, well, I assume people have watched the show at this point and know the story, but they all know where Ron's story ultimately ends, I, I would assume. Yeah. Uh, but this is really, I think, a huge turning point for him because he's seeking some sort of redemption, but he can't seem to find uh, what it is that he's searching for in this episode necessarily. So uh, because it's so tied to his family and that's really yeah. ultimately what he wants in the end. So can you tell me a little bit about just charting the course at this stage in uh, Lafferty's uh, character arc? You know, when I was, when I came on board, uh, I knew very well that Sam Worthington, Andrew Garfield, the cast members, knew a lot more intimately um, about the characters that they were inhabiting and for far longer than I than I did. But for that particular um, moment in Ron Lafferty's art, it was really when he's bottomed out in a way and he's looking for really a way back um, mm -hmm. to get his wife and his children back. And when you are, I guess, just desperate, you know, and hopeless, you're ready to cling on to whatever, anything that gives you um, an ounce of hope. Right. And out of your situation, and he finds it. Um, first, he thought he was going to find it at John Bryant's compound. And then he becomes a solution. Um, you know, at first he was like, oh, a lot of women, you know, like, and then he, that kiss, you know, in the hot tub that gives him pause and like, maybe this is not what I'm looking for. And mm -hmm. so going back um, to Utah, that's when he comes across Prophet Onias. And at first he's resistant, but, you know, the more he hears Onias essentially sweet talk him into believing that he is the one. Um, right. And Ron allows himself to believe that if that means he's going to be able to bring back his family, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it was, it's tempting and it's, it's pretty, you know, convenient in a show like this um, to easily villainize um, and ostracize a character like Ron Lafferty. But I thought it was a more complex dramatically complex and also um, unexpected choice to, in a way, empathize with mm. where he's coming from and to view his situation more sympathetically um, as that this is a choice of someone who's obviously flawed and weak and losing hope. Um, and that makes his descent into evil um, even more disturbing because you know, we can identify with those feelings um, that are bubbling yeah. within him. Yeah. I completely agree. I, I definitely see it as a tragic downfall and one that is so heavily uh, plotted with so much detail so that this way we can get a firm understanding. I think his brothers uh, don't fare as well sometimes because they, uh, yeah. they're painted, I think, a little bit more, not want to say two-dimensionally, but you could definitely see there's more uh, of a darkness there uh, than yeah. with Ron, where it's more gradual over time with for him. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Speaking of gradual, you mm-hmm. were mentioning before you came on board and the actors already knew their characters. And yeah. I- I'm curious to just know um, in terms of how you came on board, were the scripts already written? Did you have a chance to read the scripts before your episode? Tell me a bit about like just when you come into the world of uh, television, you have multiple directors, multiple writers. What is like the organization and how do you know where you fit in, in the puzzle of, of it all? Yeah, so I got the offer, you know, to um, to work on the show when I was in Venice premiering my short film. And I got the first six, uh, the scripts for the first, first six episodes, actually. And um, yeah, I was told that uh, Lance saw Lingo Franca and liked it a lot. And mm-hmm. um, would like me to direct the sixth episode, and so it was important for me as soon as I made it to Calgary, which, which was where they were shooting, to watch dailies, you know, or even a rough cut of the pilot episode that was directed by David McKenzie, mm-hmm. because it's really the pilot that um, establishes the visual language and the tone and the rhythm of the series, and that my job as an episodic director was to make sure um, that I strike a delicate balance between having my episode feel of a piece with the rest of the show visually, um, dramatically. Uh, But I also, of course, craved an opportunity to infuse my episode with, you know, touches and flourishes that are distinctively and idiosyncratically mine. Um, Yeah. And that's why I thought this episode was perfect because thematically, this is my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And what would you say is the element of this episode in particular that you found that you were able to have uh, your stamp on, if you will? Because I I agree in the world of television, the tone is usually set. And I've spoken to directors before that say, oh, what what I have to do on this show is radically different than what I would have done or something like that. So is there a moment or a shot or anything in this episode where you can distinctively say that was all made? I'm very proud of that. Definitely, I would say the car scene with Jeff Pyrie. Yeah. At the end, of course, it's a lot of it is also Andrew. It's his, you know, really just um, poignant, heartbreaking performance. But in my own films, I give the characters just the space, you know, to sit with their emotions, you know, in real time. And I feel like in television, there's always a rush to kind of get to the next plot point. And 
I think just, just by slowing things down and allowing the audience to sit with the characters and observe them mm-hmm. and feel their emotions, um, that's when you can transcend the artifice and the falsehood, you know, of, of TV and movies and essentially have an emotional experience that the character is also feeling. Um, I have that moment, I think, with um, with Jeb Pyre in the car and also with Sam Worthington, you know, Rod Lafferty um, in the Snowy Mountain. He's yeah. kind of contemplating what's next for him. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And also, too, Brenda makes some pretty drastic moves in this episode as well. Uh, Daisy Edgar Jones has just proven herself to be one of the brightest young talents that we have working today. Can you talk to me a little bit about what it was like uh, getting to know her and work with her? Daisy is just on it. You know, she's a consummate professional. Like, she has an intuitive understanding of the character and how to approach a scene emotionally. And so... You know, like I feel like when I'm working with Daisy, I never go past you know, two, three takes, wow. to be quite honest, because, you know, she inhabits Brenda and understands her completely. And I like that, you know, in my episode, uh, she has, you know, a more fully realized arc that paints her beyond just, you know, being this victim, but she actually you know, takes the initiative and has more agency and essentially enlists the LDS institution to empower her to try to bring back her husband. Although what came with the deal is that they also made her try to bring back the Lafferty brothers (laughs) into the fold, which, you know, ultimately damned her to the fate that, you know, she had with her baby. Yeah. 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 Um, and everything too, just about uh, working in television again, being that this was your first experience, was there anything about it that immediately struck you as, oh, this is different? We don't, I haven't experienced this before working on a film set. Uh, can you tell me like what that felt like? It was actually kind of a breath of fresh air. It was a relief for me that in my films, I tend to have multiple creative roles mm-hmm. and I'm the architect of the whole vision. Right. of the project but in the show like in tv an episodic you, of course you prep for you know your episode with the actors with the cinematographer with the ad but i truly just felt like i was directing um and that's that was my job and i was happy to just you know be on set with the actors and create an environment and a space for them to be fully present and in the moment as they're acting out the scenes. Um, so it's easier for me <laughs> working at TV compared to uh, my film as an, as an independent filmmaker. So I assume it's safe to say that we'll see you back in television at some point or another then? I have actually just um, come back from directing uh, two episodes of another show. Um, oh. And I'm working on another show late next month um, to be announced at some point. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, but I also was really, really thrilled that for my first TV project, I worked with, you know, the likes of Dustin Lance Black, Andrew Garfield, Daisy Edgar Jones, and like, especially in my scenes with Sam, you know, I, I feel proud that, you know, with our work together, I was able to allow him as an actor to tap kind of like a whole octave of emotions that he's not usually able to tap 
when yeah. he's working on, you know, action projects that he's better known for and um, that he's truly a sensitive and wonderful. And I would call him an artist having worked with him on this episode. I really love specifically that you do mention that about Sam, because I too have like felt that uh, before with him where I'm like, I feel like this guy has so much more to offer and he needs a director and a script that will allow him to be able to express like what a what what a complex uh, actor he can be given yeah. the right role and i i definitely feel that here especially and your gift for working with actors i think is so evident and you know you said yourself you've worn many many hats uh before in this uh in this field whether it's editing writing directing producing uh you you've done it all and i i can't wait to see what you end up doing uh next i can't wait to see these upcoming shows any future films that you have uh, my last question before we go is there a particular ongoing show right now that you would be absolutely ecstatic if you got a phone call saying we would love for you to come and direct an episode. This would never happen because he's already slated to direct all the episodes of the upcoming season. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Which I'm talking Harry. about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, barring that, I would love to work with Bill Hader. Yeah. Um, on a yeah. project. That last season was really incredible. So yes. I, I, I totally feel your excitement <laughs> and enthusiasm over that for sure. Uh, but it's equal, like I said, to the excitement and enthusiasm that we have for your career. And we can't wait to see where you go from here. And I, I thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today about your work on this episode. Um, it was a very crucial episode and it helped set the stage extremely well for the finale. And I think that a lot of people should recognize the importance in doing something like that, especially when it's focusing on the characters. So uh, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate the time today. Thank you so much, Matt. I'm so thrilled to be here. Absolutely. You have a nice rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with director Isabel Sandoval for episode six of the FX Hulu miniseries Under the Banner of Heaven here on the Next Best Picture podcast titled Revelation. Isabel Sandoval is currently up for your consideration for Outstanding Direction in a Limited Series or TV Movie at this year's Primetime Emmy Awards. You have been listening to the Next Best Series podcast, part of the Next Best Picture podcast umbrella, and we are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.